Grace and mercy and peace be with you, my dear friends in Christ, from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week, we began a three-week sermon series on the life of David. And last week, we focused in on the beginning of uh, where David shows up in the scriptures, mostly revolving around that story of David and Goliath and all the events surrounding that. Today, our focus is in on from the time that David kills Goliath to the time that he becomes king, from soldier to young king. And then next week, we'll look at the, the, basically the whole kingship of, of David, obviously with select events, uh, from young king to old king. Now, if you want to read in advance uh, some of the material that we'll cover next Sunday, those events are recorded in the book of 2 Samuel. So, basically the whole book. Uh, we're not going to cover the entire thing, but 2 Samuel, the whole thing, into the, the first two chapters of 1 Kings, that covers uh, the, the ministry of David as king over Israel. <clears throat> now, when we talk about David, you know, and we focus in last week on that, that story of David and Goliath. To those of you who are incoming students uh, to the universities in town, it may feel as though uh, you are going up against a great giant called college. <laughs> it may feel, parents, like you are sending your children off to battle. But I assure you, parents and students alike, that you do not go into this alone. Uh, we, are, we are here for you and with you. Uh, the campus ministry is a huge part of what we do here at our church uh, in uh, serving alongside of one another, but also uh, having the students be a very active part of our community. Uh, you met Marcus, our director of youth and campus ministry, and, and I'm Eric Gierke, the pastor here. Parents and students alike, if you ever have needs or worries or concerns, please reach out to us as church staff, but also we have a very loving congregation that absolutely loves to be in relationship with students. We have an adopt-a-student program, which we'll hear more about uh, later as well, or at the table. I just want you to know, you do not go into this alone. This giant is not insurmountable. We look forward to getting to know all of you. I want to start today, though, by showing you a quick little video. Last week I showed you a video that kind of tells the story of David's life. Today I'm going to show you the next portion from the time that David kills Goliath until he becomes king. Take a look at this. Goliath and David charged toward one another. As they ran, David pulled out a stone, put it in a sling, and flung it at the giant. The stone struck Goliath directly in the forehead, and then David killed him with Goliath's own sword. This victory caused David to become so loved and respected that King Saul became very jealous. Filled with fear and rage, Saul tried to kill David, but David escaped into the desert, and Saul and his army followed. One day, Saul was in a cave and David snuck up on him. But David could not bring himself to kill Saul. When Saul realized what had happened, he broke down crying and made a peace treaty with David, promising he would not kill him. But not long after, Saul became jealous and tried to kill David again. About the same time, the Philistines attacked the Israelites and killed all three of Saul's sons. When Saul heard the news, he was so upset that he took out his own sword, fell on it, and killed himself. Then, David was named King of Israel. 
he made plans to build a giant building called a temple as a place to worship God. But God spoke to David through his friend Nathan, telling him not to build the temple. God said a temple would eventually be built, but by one of David's sons. One of David's descendants would become a king unlike any before, one whose rule would never end. Having heard part of the story in our scripture lesson, having read it, now having seen it, I also want to tell you the story, and today I'm going to tell you this story in three different sections. So, first, the first part of the story. Let me just tell you it again. After David kills Goliath, King Saul is very upset. He, he, he rages against, uh, against David, and Jonathan, who is Saul's own son, becomes besties with David, takes David's side, and tells his dad that he believes David is going to be king. When they are coming back into town from that battle against Goliath, the women in the city cry out to the king and they say, here's the king, here is Saul. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his tens of thousands. You can put that up on the screen, that quote. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Now this angers Saul, obviously. He becomes incredibly jealous of David. As I told you last week, before that whole battle of David and Goliath, David's job, he had been brought in by King Saul to play the lyre, to play music for the king when the king became distressed. Well, after this whole David and Goliath thing, Saul, or David goes back to that job, becoming the music player for Saul. And one day, this, this rage comes upon Saul, this incredible uh, this incredible anger towards David, and Saul throws a spear at David, trying to kill him. Thankfully, he misses, but Saul is so enraged and so angry with David that he removes him from his position of being the music player, and he puts him in charge of a thousand men in the army, hoping that he'll go into battle and just die, right? Well, David is so successful at his uh, military conquest that he continues to gain power and prestige. King Saul tries to bring David in even closer, and so he offers his own daughter to David to marry. All he wants to do is get David near him so he can kill him. David takes that wife, and Saul continuously tries to kill David, but eventually Jonathan, Saul's son, warns David, my dad's coming after you, you need to go hide. And then we enter into this whole account of multiple stories where Saul is on the hunt, trying to kill David, and David is in hiding, trying to avoid getting killed. Saul's anger and jealousy of David is so deep. It's a grudge unlike any other grudge. He will do absolutely anything to trick, humiliate, or even best yet, in Saul's opinion, kill David. I ask you, people of God, are you currently holding any grudges against people? Is there anybody in your life that your heart just aches against? In our sinful, selfish pride, for whatever the reason is, we often have these people in our lives that we just can't seem to get right with. For whatever reason, they, we say, rub us the wrong way, right? 
Whether it be jealousy or anger or for whatever reason, it seems like we have people like this in our lives. Dear people of God, may it be our collective prayer that we would not have hearts that seek to have grudges against one another, but may we seek God's heart and ask him to soften our hearts. May it be our collective prayer as the people of God to always and at all times seek reconciliation in the name of Jesus Christ. May it be our collective prayer to not have the heart like Saul, a heart of jealousy, anger, and rage, but instead to have a heart like David, a heart that seeks after the very heart of God. Second part of the story. The story goes on from Saul being on the hunt to David hiding. It goes back and forth, and we get to this story that we read today. This story where it kind of comes to a climax of what's going to happen. Saul's on the hunt, David is hiding, and on this day he's hiding in a cave, and Saul comes along, and the scriptures say it descriptively, but also kind of eloquently, Saul needs to go into the cave to relieve himself. Right, so Saul enters into the cave, and he can't see David, and then it's dark. And David's men say, David, this is your chance. This is your opportunity. Go, seize control, take his life. This all can be over. You can be king. Go and do it. Didn't God say now is the time he's delivered into your hands? But the heart of David is not moved by the heart of his men's voices. The heart of David is not moved by his own heart. The heart of David is moved by the heart of God himself. He listens to the heart of God, and the heart of God says to David's own heart, This is Saul. He is my anointed, my chosen one to serve as king for this time. David knows he cannot kill him. It would not be right, and David knows this. I'm not sure if any of you who are gathered here today have ever been on the run like David was, and have ever needed to potentially kill somebody in self-defense. I don't know if that's your story. If, if that is your story, I would love to have a cup of coffee with you someday and, and get to know you and know about this great struggle in your life. People have stories like this. I would imagine though most of us have not had any sort of extreme situation like that, but I believe everyone or almost everyone in this room has had people in your lives who wanted nothing to do with you. It may have been on the elementary school playground, or the junior high classroom or athletic field, or sadly, even the business boardroom. Talking about bullies. And some of you who have been in that situation where people wanted nothing to do with you and you have been on that receiving end, maybe you read this piece of the story today and you look at David as being foolish and saying, David, come on, man. This is your opportunity. This is your moment to seek control, to gain the advantage, to take his life, to take matters into your own hands. What are you doing, David? You botched it. David sought after the heart of God, and the heart of God is not one that seeks revenge. We read Jesus' words in the gospel lesson today, where he says, love your enemies. When our hearts seek after the heart of God and we are aligned with his heart, what that means for us is we allow God to be God, fully God, 
almighty and all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. We allow God to be God, and when we know that, and we know of his grace and his love for us, we know that our lives are in good hands, because we are in the very hands of the God who created us. Last week, if you were here, I, I reminded you, plain and simple, about your identity as Christian people. As Christian people, you have, you have this identity as children of God, who have been created by God. You have been saved by the grace of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus. You're redeemed by him. You have been purchased and won with the cost of Jesus Christ's life. He laid down his life and took it up again. You today, children of God, have the forgiveness of sins and the newness of life that comes to you as a free gift. It is yours. You are children of God. You are part of this family of God, fully redeemed by him. And because of his great love for you, you have incredible value, incredible meaning, and incredible purpose. No matter what it is that you touch or what you do, children of God, this is your identity. So whether you are facing giants or bullies, or both, you are not alone. God is with you. People of God, we are with you. You do not have to take matters into your own hands. You don't have to handle it alone. God is with you. May you have hope and confidence to trust in this word. Third part of the story. David is still in hiding. It's gone back and forth. You saw it in the video. After David spared Saul's life, Saul makes this treaty with him. It doesn't last very long. Saul's anger and jealousy and rage continue to go on. They continue to hunt David. He continues to be in hiding. But Saul is still king, and the king's job is to protect the people. And these pesky Philistines, you know, these people who had Goliath, they keep trying to attack the people of Israel. So Saul has to go to battle once again and abandon his hobby of trying to kill David. So Saul goes back to the battle lines, and his three sons are with him. And on this day, the Philistines are gaining ground. They kill one of Saul's sons. They kill his next son. They kill his next son, and they gain closer and closer to the very king himself. Saul will do anything to not fall into the hands of the Philistines, so instead of falling into their hands, he decides to fall on his own sword and take his own life. David gets word of all of this, and after properly lamenting their deaths, and Jonathan is his dear, dear friend, like a brother, after lamenting their deaths, David once again seeks after the heart of God, and he asks God, God, is it time now for me to go and serve as king? God finally anoints him fully as king, and he says, David, I want you to go to the city of Hebron, where, I, where you will serve and reign as king, and that is where the reign of David begins in this moment. <sighs> Throughout all of this story, even last week, from shepherd boy to soldier, now from soldier to young king, what we see in the character of David is somebody who longingly seeks after the heart of God. He is determined that he is not going to kill Saul. It's not the right thing. The timing is not right. It's not what he's supposed to do. So David's read on what God has in store for him, what David does is he simply allows God to be God and allows the Lord's timing to work it all out for him. The heart of David is one that seeks after the heart of the living God. Now this is consistent 
with the rationale that God actually had in choosing David in the first place. I told you this last week, but I'll tell you again. When David was chosen as a boy to be the next king of Israel, these are the words that God said to his dad about why David. Put this up on the screen. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart, and he knew that in David there was this heart, a humble heart, a heart that would seek after the will of God. Now, throughout the Bible, even into the New Testament, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, in the beginning of the Christian church, David is still remembered as having this heart that seeks after God. This is what it says about David in the book of Acts. God raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. People of God, where is your heart? What does your heart seek after? How will you live your life, and how will you be remembered? Will you be like Saul, pursuing a grudge until that rage leads to your own eventual death? Or will you be like David, seeking after the heart of the Almighty God and desiring, just plain and simple, that God's will be done in your life? I pray the latter is true for you. May it be so in the name of Jesus Christ. Go in his name and in his peace. Amen. <laughs>